rumpled suits and loosened ties, slump dejectedly into the rattling vinyl, await the inevitable click of the ticket-taker's tool, and wonder if you will ever again see your children before you retire. Because it's time... Oh, to talk tall to me. Click, click. Click, click. Those blues. Click, click. Next station is Stafford. Please transfer here for... Garage Cross. Welcome back to Talk Tall to Me. I am Omen Said. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are... The brain cell that is, Feckless Momes. And this is Talk Tell to Me. A desperate attempt to bend the laws of time and space between where you can afford to live and the financial centers of prog rock, in which Necktie Nick and Overworked Omen will do our due diligence to satisfy the rapacity of our chromatic corporate overlords. Yes, every album, a fiscal quarter, every song, a conference meeting, we will push our pencils across the glasscock graph, pour over the Martin Barr balance sheet, and tear our hair at the falling Palmer percentage rates. We will not stop until we have made enough tall transactions to please our CFO, Chief Flute Officer, Ian Anderson, <laughs> or die trying. What did you mean by chromatic overlords? What's that? Well, like a, like the chromatic scale. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I thought it was because like a, prog a business rock, reference. Nick. Yeah, I just thought it was uh, a business reference. I couldn't because to me, chromatic means the chromatic dragons in Dungeons and Dragons, and they're the evil ones. The metallic ones are good. Of course, it does. Yeah, you nerd. <laughs> Call me nerdy again. Do it. Nerd. <laughs> Didn't know what I was walking into. Welcome. Hi. (laughs) Hi. Oh, man, it has been, in terms of chronological actual space-time recording, it's been a minute. Yep. I've, uh, we've, we've had a a little, a little repose from recording due to mostly me being out of town, really. For a couple weeks, actually. A couple weeks. I've been on, I've been on the road. Thank God we, we had such a bulging backlog. (laughs) Told you not to point that out in public. But but here we are back in the booth and excited to talk tall about another song off of the Heavy Horses album. That's right. It's going to be the final song off of Side A. But before we do that, we have ourselves a review. <gasps> Sir, sensors have detected... Another star in the sky! Dear Lord, that's five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Kato Ron, via Apple Podcasts in the United States, writes, Brings me joy. I have been a fan of Jethro Tull and Ian Anderson since I was in junior high in 1969. I have most all of the lyrics committed to memory, but my love for all things Tull has not been shared by many of my friends, and certainly not my wife. (laughs) So I had no one to discuss the rich musical innovation and lyrical mysteries with. Enter Feckless Momes. 
Because my experiences listening to Tull came from a different time, I don't always see things the way they do, but it brings me joy to listen, the friendly banter, and interesting insights as Omen and Nick discuss each track. Anyone who shares my love for Jethro Tull should definitely listen to Talk Tull to Me. Just the discussion literally last night that was had on the Discord server for all you Mm. sweet nerds out there, we can tell that I have a very differing opinion from from the previous generations of, uh, I believe it was Doc Savage and I, sharing slightly sharp words with one another uh, that I I referenced under wraps as a subpar Jethro Tull album. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I knew I knew full well as I was typing it yep, that it would yep. it would inflame things. It would inflame ire would be had, but it's all in good fun, and we have decent conversation about all sorts. So if you're not a Patreon member, get in on that so you can be a part of the Discord because so you yourself can be inflamed. So I can inflame you with any number of slander, but also thank you for that five star review. Yes, thank you very much, Kate Ron. We appreciate your listenership. We very much appreciate the five stars. And we're so glad that we can provide relief for your pent-up backlog of tall thoughts. Yeah. Before us, it was probably a couple of just, like, message boards somewhere. And now there's another tall podcast after us. So, you know, like, I mean, we can take full credit for Jethro Tull, I think, is what I'm trying to say. Indeed. <laughs> Nick... Before we get into the song itself, is there anything else that we have to discuss? We've got two more things. I just want to tell you my vinyl journey. For those of you, again, those of you on Instagram and Patreon, you've seen pictures of of my vinyl journey here. I've got a haul of about half of the Tull discography in one go about a week ago, week and a half ago. and, And because of that, I've been searching the the other vinyl shops around the area. I went I had the day off the other day and I went to a place called if you're listening Syracuse Vintage Vinyl, take note. I walked in, the guy asked, "Oh, oh, what what are you looking for?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm looking for some tall." And he went over and he found a couple of pieces and and he's like, "Oh, I don't I, I don't know why these are in J." And I was like, "Probably because it's Jethro Tull." And he's like, oh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you, and, and take a look around. They're probably in other spots. And, and I, I would look in the tees for Tull, too. There, th- there was absolutely no organization aside from, uh, aside from just every wall had been alphabetized. So I had to look in every single J and T section. <laughs> what, an interesting, um, what an interesting organizational choice. And frankly... I'd say he owes me the price what I paid for that record for the organization that I did. I collected all of the tall into a central J spot. You're doing, you're truly doing God's work. Yeah. So, so that's where you got all of those albums. No, that was, that's where I picked <laughs> up stand up. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was, it was in Ithaca that I picked up the, the whole big batch. And right. so I'm, I'm basically, I'm down to, I need Catfish Rising, Roots to Branches, Tall.com, and the Christmas album. And I can't find them anywhere. I've looked online and I can't find them. Yeah, I imagine that those are going to be more difficult to find because that is those were released during the era when where vinyl was was um, less popular, especially 
com. It's literally the last four albums that they put out. So yeah, well, if you know where to get any of those albums on vinyl, please drop us a message. That's right. If you're not in the Patreon or the Instagram, drop us a message at moms at fecklessmoms.com. I'd love to have the full collection. I don't know if it's possible, but we'll see. We'll get there. And finally, from the Jethro Tull official Facebook, I think the I think our feckless mom put this on here. She shared it with us. Oddly enough, it didn't go onto their Instagram, which was peculiar, but I'm going to quote from their Facebook. 2022 sees the publication of a brand new book about Jethro Tull, telling the band's story in a way it's never been told before. By you. We're looking for your help in compiling a people's history of Tull, and so we'd love to hear your stories about discovering the band's music, where and when you first saw them in concert, and what you remember of the show or shows you saw. We're also interested in seeing your photos, ticket stubs, set lists, and any other memorabilia you may have acquired. So whether you've seen Tull once or a hundred times, please send your memories to tullfanmemories at gmail.com. So Nick, this project is so exciting for a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. One, because taking a people's history approach is just a really kind of exciting proposition for for anyone. I mean, I'm, I'm always in favor of people's histories of things. Yeah. And secondly, because I think that you and I have started to discover for ourselves the rich oral history, as it were, of people's tall memories, people's jump starts, and fond memories of seeing concerts, run-ins with Ian Anderson, Martin Barr. The fact that the band itself is chronicling that in some kind of official capacity is really cool. So we definitely encourage all of our listeners to, if you have a, a great tall memory, to go to that Gmail account with your thoughts. And also, thank you for sharing all of your jump starts and tall memories, and we hope that you continue to share them with us. Yeah. As an afterthought, send them to that Gmail, but primarily send them to our mail. As an afterment, <laughs> mm. send them to the Gmail. Delicious. As the main course, send them to us. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Nick, I believe that takes care of our horsekeeping. That's our our heavy business. We can head on to wrapping up side A of Heavy Horses by listening to Journeyman. Ooh, Nick, may I may I say something? I would love nothing more than you're saying something. I'm excited. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. <laughs> let's uh let's roll that wax. <laughs> Well, Nick, there we have Journeyman. Omen, Journeyman is one of your favorites off this album. Is that right? That is an accurate statement. Yeah. Yeah. Why why do you like Journeyman so much? (sighs) It is a confluence of a couple of different reasons for me. One, I I really, musically, it is just one of my favorite tall sounds. It's, oh, yeah. Ever. Mm -hmm. And then content-wise... I I really enjoy it. I think I be, you know obviously we're going to get into the the content in a minute here but right. 
the imagery surrounding riding this commuter train mm-hmm. resonates with me because I've sure. spent a lot of time on on uh, you know short not, what's the what's the word for those trains subway not no no because it's it's not this specifically is not like the London tube well we'll we'll get into it but it's it's like the it's like the mid range trains yeah I think they call them commu- commuter trains yeah yeah yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, really, how can you listen to that bass line at the beginning? Oh, my God. And not just give your soul to this song. Yeah, the bass line and the bass drum at the same time are just hammering it hard there. And it's just, it's not, it's not all out crazy, but it's just, oof, that bass. John Glasscock, you know, the more that I have developed an awareness of the different bassists. Uh Uh-huh. John Glasscock is just so incredible, and I really, I'm getting increasingly mad at the world that we lost him so early. Right, yeah. Yeah, that this is really the last, this is, this album is his swan song, really. Yeah, and I just, you know, I wonder, I feel like having been deprived of more of his bass playing, every note becomes even more precious. Yeah, I see that. I get that. I can appreciate that. This bass line especially, I mean, he he seems to play the bass as a threat. <laughs> so help me God, I will play this bass. Like every bass line that he that he creates, but especially this one, it's just it just feels so inevitable and threatening. Like it's 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 just coming up out of the ground and it's gonna it's gonna take you down to the underworld. There is an unbridled power in this this baseline and only he can control it and don't get on his bad side because he'll let it go and then your face will be melted. I ate a couple of pomegranate scenes and now I have to go spend six months of every year with John Glasscock's base. Yeah, okay. I'm hand over the rest of those seeds. I'm on. Yeah. I'm I'm good for it. <laughs> don't hold out on me, man. <laughs> this song is just under four minutes. Feel, despite it not being like a really fast-paced song, it feels like it's relatively quick. It's a quick four minutes. Yeah, it is. And I think that partly that's because of the way it's composed, the way that it, the structure of it, if you will. Mm. And let's talk about the the structure and the musicality of it. It's so funky. That I think primarily that bass leads to such a funky feel to it but it's it's not a standard tall sound that we're used to at this point and again that is why we keep coming back to tall because they are so innovative and i you know that's the prog spirit is like all right well rather than we found one song let's stick with it yeah we we found one sound let's stick with it it's what can we do to innovate what can we do to make this new what's the next level of music that we can uncover and create. Ah, it's so good. And if we if we look at this, and this is purely a hindsight view, but if we look at this in terms of this folk rock trio, that over the full scape of those three albums, we hear this kind of evolution or a darkening of the sound. This song is literally smack in the middle of that, and this is a unique sound for all three of these albums. So mm-hmm. it's it it is a mid-show entertainment of let's change things up <laughs> so much that it wakes you back up lest you you kind of fall into expecting more of this folk sound. 
And it's plenty dark. This is a pretty yeah. dark sound. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. The song is in 4-4 time. And as you noted, the tempo is fairly slow. One, two, mm-hmm. three, four. One, two, three, four. If you compare that to Rover, for instance, bum, bum, which we'll bum, get bum, to bum, 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 in a couple of weeks, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's a lot slower. But it has that driving quality that as soon as you hear it, it feels like it drags you along with it. Yeah, the chug of the train wheels. The chug of the train wheels. And and more so the... Oh, don't say chug. <laughs> and more so the idea of when you are this person that Ian is describing, this person doing the, the daily slog, mm. you wake up days later and realize that you're doing the same thing. And then everything goes black again and it becomes a blur and you're doing the same thing over and over. You are moving at that pace. That is what this society has deemed the appropriate action for these people working in this society on this commuter train. So you you fall into this chug, go to work, go home, go to sleep, wake up, go on the train, go to work over and over and over and over. Yeah. I yeah, totally. It's got that cyclical repetitive nature to it. Yeah. It also reminds me, I don't know how much time you have spent on trains, but have you ever had the experience you get it sometimes if on a long drive where like if you've been driving all day or if you've been on a train all day when you get off you still feel the motion yes. of that vehicle like yeah. in your bones? Yeah. Kind of reminds me of that. Let's talk musically. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Obviously the bass. Um, Obviously the coupled bass. with the bass drum. Yep. Incredible. Little flute toots in there. We don't have a whole lot of just instrumentation before we get into lyrics, but it's it's bass, bass, flute, and I think that's it. And then and then Ian comes in right away uh singing. Yeah. Martin is doing some really wonderful supportive work in this song. Yes, it's nice. It's very, very nice. It's it's additional spice. <laughs> It's not the main dish. It's the additional spice. And it's nice. It's really, really nice. When you can pick him out of that, he's got some flair going. Yeah. I always pick him out of the dish, set him to the side of the plate, and have him last. That's the taste that I want in my mouth. You save him for later. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I always have Martin for dessert if I can. Yeah. Save room for Martin. A little a little dish of Martin on the side. A little. I, I know it's going to cost more, but I mean, I that's I do want that. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> How can you how can you have your Martin if you don't finish your glasscock? <laughs> I I don't know. He's he's quickly certainly for for the last album or two, he's getting up there as a as a set aside dish as well. Like I That's true. Such a treat when you when you can hear either either him or Martin when you can pull them out, kind of dissect the threads and and get that little glimpse of them working away yeah. in in their their bubble. That is, it, oh, it's so good. It's so good to hear them separately. And and it is, it is also such a testament to them that they do blend in so well and that we do, do lose track of them at times. We do's. We do's. Speaking of strings. Strings, yeah. There are some strings late game in this song. Okay, I was, the, the first time I listened to this, not the first time, the, the, just recently when I listened to it for this episode in preparation, I was like, is it really this late that the strings come in? Yeah. Yeah, it's like in the last minute. Yeah, I listened again. I was like, oh, it is this late. It's at um, 
howling into the hollow blackness where those oh gorgeous D strings. It's nice. Howling into hollow blackness, dusky diesel shadows, full cry. Another really delightful thing I want to point out about this song is Ian's harmony on mm. the the chorus, as it were. The yeah. journeyman. Journeyman. <laughs> <laughs> journeyman night, ripping on the life and fantastic. I think there is some advantage to this voice that he keeps using that it makes those instances where he decides to harmonize with himself, it makes it so much more potent because he can come in in the background with his normal voice without being so, so gosh darn gruff. And there is that much more of a of a dichotomy in the sound that we're hearing. Yeah. There's also a really lovely drum fill that accompanies that that harmony on on the chorus. Mm. A little tom fill by Barrymore Barlow. Yeah. Which which is a little bit different from his style on the rest of the song. Yeah, and there's not much of a chorus in here. It's really quick. And it's only, I think it's only repeated like two times, maybe three tops. But but yeah, they, they make the best of it with without it being too cacophonous. Yes. Speaking of cough, I think uh, yep. it's worth pointing out that this is the second cough on the album. That's right. Abandoned crosswords with a cough. And he he, he actually coughs. With a <coughs> cough. Abandoned crosswords with a cough. <coughs> and it sounds pretty much exactly like the mouse police cough. It's pretty I think close. It's a little more performed. Oh yeah. Yeah. And less, oh my god, he's dying right now. Mouse the mouse. But that's that's an interesting choice. I wondered. Did he write Mouse Police first and decide to put this in in reference to that or vice versa? That it was like a fun throwaway to throw the cough into Mouse Police? I think he was just experiencing coughing <laughs> during this period in his life. And Maybe, yeah. As as we have seen, things that he experiences makes their ways into the songs. And also, both coughs occur at the end of the song where mm. you would be out of breath, your your throat mm. would be tired, need a clearing. But also, maybe I want to say that if we look at the cough here and then we go look at the cough at the end of Mouse Police, maybe that's a reference that the Mouse Police, the cats are just working stiffs too and that everybody when they get overworked and tired they they one of the first things that they do is cough so maybe the the, the mouse police are overworked too yes i always cough when i get tired <laughs> i it was the it was the, the 70s omen who knows cough 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 oh time to go to bed <laughs> i, I thought, can't stop coughing i thought that was a good theory and i don't appreciate <laughs> what you're doing to me right now. <laughs> it, it's it's a theory, yeah. 
Let's let's talk about the lyrics. Okay. The lyrics, aside from being delightfully poetic, the content lyrics don't do a whole lot for me. Beca- well, because I because I haven't experienced it firsthand like you have, and because it's the fact that it's even a thing, the fact that this is a subject that references capitalist garbage that people go through all the time just to go do their job. Like, that's just so gross to me. Let's back up to all the way to the title of the song, Journeyman. Yeah. Now, Nick, this this title is so clever because it's very it layered, is yeah. Actually, a bit of a play on words. Mm-hmm. Journeyman means the the definition of the word journeyman means a, a a worker, usually who is employed. It's usually refers to a skilled laborer who is employed by someone else. Yeah, after they have graduated from their apprenticeship, they become a journeyman. Right. It's between apprentice and master. Yeah. But obviously, <laughs> the character is a journeyman because he is journeying back and forth on this commuter train from home and work. Right. You could call him a commuter or you could call him a journeyman. Yeah. But the word, the origin of the word is not journey. Mm. The origin of the word is from the French, journée, which means day. So literally it means day worker, someone who is employed by the day. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it's not that you have a permanent position. You are, oh, I'm gonna hire. I'm gonna hire this guy for three days. I'm gonna hire this guy for seven days. Whatever. Well, sh- sure. Do you need me tomorrow. No. Yes. Yeah. That that fits in really well with in terms of if we're thinking uh, apprentice, journeyman, master. Think of carpentry or plumbers or something. You only need them to do the job. Oh yeah, a journeyman carpenter is is a that's a phrase that's still used. Yeah. You hire them until the job is done. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the implication for this song is so great and layered because he is a journey man because uh-huh. he's constantly riding this train. And the implication is that his position is not secure. Sure. That he yeah. has to keep grinding this out because at any moment they could take his livelihood away from him. And and he's not in a position of being a boss. Right. So he's st- Stuck in the middle. Yeah, we don't we don't necessarily know what this character's actual occupation is, but we know that he's got a slog through all of these train stations to commute. That his job is potentially like at, not necessarily at risk, but I mean, it's not. It's certainly not guaranteed. Yeah, my um, impression is that it's some kind of business. It feels very office workery to me. Yes, I, yeah. I think. So let's get into the the lyrics a little bit specifically, yeah? Yeah, I also think that it, it is, it, there could be a touch of just Ian being over the commute from his countryside haven to going into, what, Maison Rouge now at this point. So Nick, remind me, where is his country haven? His country haven is in Buckinghamshire. Which I believe is to the... Northwest of London? Oh, yeah. 
So, Buckinghamshire is, in fact, to the northwest of London. Mm-hmm. And guess what is between Buckinghamshire and London? Is it Gerard's Cross? It is a little town called Gerard's Cross. Mm-hmm. So I do believe that you are spot on, Nick. I believe that this song is inspired. I mean, and obviously Ian has spent a lot of time on trains, written about trains. That is a, a recurring theme in his writing. However, this gives us a new perspective. Rather than focusing yeah. on his own experience, I feel like he is observing the people around him, including the commuters, the business commuters who... You know, it's very common for people to live outside of the financial center and commute in. Yep. And he is observing these people and uh, doing a little a little character study. Yeah, yeah, a lot like we saw with Mouse Police. You know, it's it's just not a cat this time. It's not a moth in moths. It's it's people. Exactly. He's, he's got time to kill. What are you going to do? Read the newspaper or write a song? Yeah. If you're Ian Anderson. You're going to write a song. Yeah, because you've already finished the crossword. You're bored You've now. already finished the yeah. You wrote the crossword. That's right. It's all Jethro Tull-themed answers. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about, about commuter trains. For, for our listeners who, are, who maybe don't have experience, I, I can speak from my own experience of being in the New York City area. We have the subway, which takes you to and from places in the city Uh but then we have a couple of different train systems so then the long-haul trains are the amtrak those you know will take you from new york to chicago eventually yeah they go up and down the coast they go further into the country yeah yes they yes but the intermediary length of train we have metro north the long island railroad and the new jersey Railroad. Cesspit. The New Jersey Cesspit, yes. When I was at Hofstra, I took the Long Island Railroad to get into the city. And you sure w- did. When we were downstate in Westchester and in Connecticut, we took the... Metro North. Metro North to get into the city, yeah. Yeah. When I worked in Connecticut, I would often take the Metro North to and from the city, often at late hours. Mm-hmm. And when I was in college, I actually did a show in New York uh, in my last year. And so I would finish my class, run to the train station, jump on the Metro North, go down to the city, do my show, jump back on the train, yeah. tear back up to Sarah Lawrence and go to rehearsal for the other show I was in. But so I've had plenty of chances to observe the the commuting class and it it tends to be largely... Men in suits mm-hmm. who are really tired yeah, with their suitcases. The brilliant thing with Metro North is when you get on the train at Grand Central, there are people with carts right outside the train who will sell you a beer. Oh, that is brilliant. Yeah. So it's a very common sight to see, you know, someone who probably in the morning looked really, really put together and nice with their suit and French cuffs and, and tie. Looking just like utterly defeated, completely exhausted, you know, and it's really crazy to see some of these people coming back, presumably to their homes at 9, 10, 11 at night. Yeah, that got to stay and do all the work and be the last one out of the office. 
On top of that, you have an hour commute on the train, not to mention how far you have to work, not to mention how hot and stinky it is in the city. All that stuff is going to just weigh down on you. Yeah. So assuming that the kind of class of people is similar in London, I think we can change out Metro North for, I'm not sure what the train system itself is called in England, but I I assume that there are some similarities. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the lyrics. Yeah. Spine tingling railway sleepers, sleepy houses lying four square and firm. Spine tingling railway sleepers, sleepy houses lying four square and firm. A sleeper is part of the railway track, I believe. I mean, I know like a sleeper car. Yeah, but that's that that wouldn't be this. No, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. I think a sleeper is one of the parts of the track. It's a cross tie. Yes. Yeah. So, right. Okay. So if the cross tie. So British English refers to it as a sleeper. Yeah. So if the cross tie is a little out of place, maybe because this is a, a fairly old train system. They would bump the train and tingle your spine. The one in Gerard's Cross was built in like 1901, if I remember correctly. So, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a little later on, we have sliding through Victorian tunnels. Sliding through Victorian tunnels, from the You know, this is literally one of the earliest train systems ever built. Yeah, where green moss oozes from the pores. It's literally just old. And so. It's interesting, you know, in terms of the overall theme of this album and, you know, the the kind of series of albums that we're on, we have this meeting of nature and modernity. And here we have a little bit of that. You know, we have man's great work of creating this railroad system and then nature creeping in through the cracks. But also, also a sense of early man's uh, advancements and that not having kept up with the times of what man is at now. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a sense in this song that the, the system is overloaded. It's, mm-hmm. it's breaking down. Right. You know, we have that, we have a couple of different mentions of that, even in, you know, the draft beside the carriage door, you know, the, yeah. the train itself is drafty. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another one here. Carriage lights that flicker, fade, and die. Yeah. On the late commuter special, carriage lights that flicker, fade, and die. Yeah, there is there is a, a feeling of disrepair. Yeah. Which I'm sure in the 70s it was probably probably looking pretty rough. You know. Yeah. And I go, going back to the the draft. I do. I love that imagery of. In late night commuter madness, double locked black briefcase on the floor, mm. like a faithful dog with master mm. sleeping in the draft beside the carriage door. Yeah. That's it's beautiful. Yeah. Oof. In late night commuter madness, double locked black briefcase on the floor. And I think as soon as, you know, the double lock black briefcase is such a, immediately such a specific image. Like, I feel like I can conjure that Mm -hmm. to my mind with no doubt as to what, you know, what it is. Yeah. I do want to go back to Sleepy Houses in the first verse. Oh, sure, sure, sure. 
I think I'm going to make a, a supposition. Okay. I'm going to make a stab in the dark. Ouch! I stabbed oh. myself. I, who could have seen this coming? <laughs> Not me in the dark. I think that foursquare and firm refers to the build of the house or perhaps the positioning of the house with with other houses. And I think what that possibly might refer to is referring to how houses were built at a certain period in history when the suburbs were expanding. It feels kind of like like a generic catch-all term like McMansion we use over here. Kind of the same thing probably, right? It could be, but I I think that what it reminds me of, and maybe this is just totally inaccurate, but it reminds me of these houses in Chicago that they called bungalows. And it was a very specific type of house built at a very specific period of time, which was post-war. They needed a lot more housing, and so they built this fairly modestly sized but really nice style of house. Okay. You know, so that working class people could afford it. And really create a nice life for themselves. But it really wasn't fancy or expensive. And they built tons of them. So there's right, these neighborhoods. Yeah. Now there's a historical preservation trust for the bungalows because they're so specific. And I don't, know. I don't, you know, all of that is sort of neither here nor there. But I do think that post-war there was a big expansion in of suburbs in most countries. And I think in London as well. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the country of London. <laughs> So it gives me the impression that he is passing by these kind of endless suburbs on the way to wherever he lives, wherever. Sure. They sprouted up like mushrooms just kind of ringing around the city. Yes. Yeah. There's another reference. Dull echoes from the wet embankments, battlefield allotments, fresh open sores. Dull echoes from the wet embankments, battlefield allotments. Wow, so much going on. So the embankments are the sides, the probably the stone sides that sweep up from where the track is. Yeah. Battlefield allotments, I believe, refers to the system of gardens, which we have in England, oh. which are often called allotments. Yep, victory gardens. Which had a big role in the war. Yeah. Dig for victory. Yep. People were encouraged to grow their own food to relieve pressure on the food supply chains going to support the troops. Right. We had a similar thing over here in the States, but in in England they were specifically the allotments which were specifically sized small little garden plots all throughout the city, people's backyards, gardens as it were. And fresh open sores meaning they are freshly tilled. You see the loam it's not just a, a patch of grass. It is an open sore in the earth itself. Hmm. Going back to the theme of man's intrusion on the natural world. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that could also refer to, you know, new developments if, if houses are still being built. I don't also know. Also that, yeah. Yeah, I could see that as well. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the imagery around the time of night that this is. Okay. Yeah, so it's in late night commuter madness. I mean, most people think of commuting home, what, five or six? But like you said, you saw people nine or ten going home from their work. Oh, yeah. Depends upon the job. But I'm sure sure commuting home from work was probably anywhere between four to nine or ten. Yeah. I love the line, cold supper nearing with each station stop. Yeah. 
This song is so efficient in its imagery because all, you know, in one line, you get this sense of, okay, there are 10 more stops. Okay. Right, yeah. Nine the, more stops. The, the countdown. Yeah. Yeah. Which, especially when the train is a bit slow, it just feels mm-hmm. like you're never going to get to the next station. Right. And I, th- I think there is a modernized allusion to what we saw in P-Broker Fires at Midnight here, particularly with hmm. Fireside Slippers Waiting flip-flop in that, that, that couplet. Yes. He's going home. He looks in the window. He sees his cold supper on <laughs> the table. He sees right. his, his slippers by a, a, maybe a, a barely roaring hearth, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, and the, the sense that rush as he may, his supper will still be cold. <laughs> right. And everyone will be asleep. And say in the era that is fires at midnight or pee broke, you're walking there. You can run. You can you're, you can make your horse run, whatever. You can, even if it still takes longer than the train, you have some sort of control, control over, over your it. speed. Yeah, whereas when you're on the train, you are at the whim of so many other systems and people which is you yeah. know i think the theme of this song someone who's just stuck in this cycle at the whim of of their boss at the whim of the transportation you are a cog yeah in a more often than not ineffective machine maybe flip flop flip flop baby another great line journeyman night tripping on the late fantastic mm. oh, gee whiz so journeyman night tripping on the late fantastic Buried in that line is a reference to the phrase tripping the light fantastic. Yeah. Which is a really odd, antiquated term for ballroom dancing. And this is generally people would go ballroom dancing for leisure at night. Yes. You know, it's the thing. You go out, you get dressed up, you go out and ballroom dance. But that has been replaced by, well, it's time to go home. I'll go sit on a train for an hour and a half. Yeah. And the trains are, in a sense, dancing around Mm. the city. You know, there's a dance of transportation that happens. Yeah. But also night tripping. It's just great. Rather Mm. than, it's just great. I love that phrase. Too late to stop for tea at Gerard's Cross. So if, say, your stop is Buckinghamshire, which is the next stop or so, if if you're getting out and you've got an hour before supper, maybe you pop out and have a cup of tea and, and just sit and read the newspaper or something. You know, you, you unwind, you decompress a little bit before you get on the train for another 15 minutes and walk in the door to your screaming five-year-old or something. Yeah. It could also be that that line that line has always stuck with me. That's one of the lines in this song that that the, the first time I listened to it, it stuck out with me. Every time I listen to it, it sticks in my in my ear. And reflecting on it, it reminds me of the station, the Metro North Station at Stamford, Connecticut. Hmm. Because okay. that was when when I worked in New Canaan. Stamford is where you transfer, so you take the train up. From the city, and then at Stanford, oh. the line bifurcates. Yep. 
And so either you stay on the line that you're on or you get off and transfer to the new Canaan line. And in that station, there are, you know, there's a little cafe, there's a, a Dunkin' Donuts. And, you know, it may be that you always have to transfer there. And if you transfer early enough in the day, oh, you could grab a, you could grab a cup of coffee. If the train is not ready to go, if it's not there, the one that you're transferring to, you've, exactly. got, you've got time if, to kill. If there's a 20-minute wait. Yeah. But but if you're transferring late at night, everything's closed. Yeah. So you just got to stand there. So there's no comfort to be had. Yeah. Especially if later on we see the station master in his wisdom, that's a bit sarcastic, I think, told the oh, guard yeah. to turn the heating off. Station master in his wisdom told the guards to turn the heating off. Yeah, that could refer to either the heating of the station or the heating of the train. Oh, okay. Okay. But yes, absolutely. You know, again, you're at the whim of someone else. Right, right. Who wants to go home so they're the last one who flips the switch and they're out of there and then you're just completely abandoned until that yeah. train shows up. Right. Or they want to save money so they don't yeah, turn it exactly. on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, there's barely anyone riding the train. Just turn the heat off. Turn it off, yeah. <laughs> but if you're yeah. the person riding the train, it's like... Yeah, yeah, sure, you're enclosed from the outside, but it's probably not that insulated, especially because they're mostly windows anyway. And there's a draft. And there's a draft by the door, yeah. I want to... The next line, and hear the soft shoes on the footbridge shuffle. And hear the soft shoes on the footbridge shuffle. That is... Most certainly a cheap day return reference, right? On present platform, do your soft shoe shovel dance. Oh, brilliant, Nick. Yeah. I give you a gold star. I heard shuffle. Shuffle really, really triggered it for me on that one. The soft shoes on the footbridge shuffle as well, you know, that kind of conjures to me the image of people shuffling along on their way to or from the train. It yeah. makes me think of... Have you seen the old silent film Metropolis? No, no. There's a there's an image in that of all of the workers getting off the big elevator and all of them in time coordinated shuffling one, two, one, two with this very dead expression. Yeah. And the and the two shifts are passing each other and it's this like very early critique of the modern work. Right environment post-industrial revolution yeah you're so you're so exhausted you can't lift your feet you're so defeated and it's so beaten into you that you you work like this everybody at the same time so everything is done in time with one another therefore even when you're not at work you shuffle because it's in your bones sorry i was feeling that beat (laughs) i know i oh oh no Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Do you have to go to the bathroom? Oh, yeah, but I think I'm okay. Okay. Um, I had a thought, and what was it? Oh, yes, and if you break the pattern, if you break the rhythm, you will just be crushed. Right, yeah, you'll get trampled because that that machine is going to keep moving. Mm. And if you are not in step with it. I love the phrase, howling into hollow blackness, mm-hmm. because that describes both what the train does especially if it's going into a tunnel it's literally going into the hollow blackness of a tunnel yeah but also i feel like our protagonist here is 
howling his despair into the hollow into the hollow void of of the world that's that's what this song is this song is the the howl into the hollow darkness the blackness yeah yeah oh i really like this song nick it's good it's really good it's got a very very 1984 feel almost you know mm-hmm. a little bit just a, a, a yeah an impotent railing against the higher power that is in complete control yeah it's a little it's I wouldn't say it's it's quite dystopian, but it's sort of pre-dystopian. It is. I mean, it's what leads us to think that way later on. Actually, it could I mean it, in a way it is very dystopian, right? Like what's the definition of a dystopia? It's a it's a society that that functions poorly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess very basically, yeah. Yeah. And so I think, you know, here we have the businessman. Enter the businessman. Imagine, if you will. His double-breasted jacket makes him look very sharp in the morning, but at night... <laughs> his tie is loosened. His morals are defeated. He smells of defeat and bourbon. Bud Light. Bud Light. Oof. Don't say Bud Light. <laughs> Nick, anything else that we want to say about Journeyman? No. No, I don't think so. I think you 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 helped me appreciate the lyrics more. I do what I can. I do also want to say that there is another Journeyman song from Tall or in general. In general, what by is it? Iron Maiden. Oh, is it a cover of this or is it? No, just, oh. no, no, no. It's it's a totally other song. Just happens to be called Journeyman. But I mean, we've heard many a time that a lot of those like heavy metal guys were really influenced by Tull. I think it was Negan yeah. said the guy from Iron Maiden. I think it was Iron Maiden. Was no re- Metallica. It was well. She was talking about Metallica, but she also said that I think the guy from Iron Maiden loved a passion play. I think it was Iron Maiden. I don't quite remember, even though we recorded that pretty episode. Sure that, I'm pretty sure that was Metallica. Well, it was the overall Metallica conversation. Don't make me pull up the source material, Oman. I pull will. Pull it up. <laughs> I'm trying to look up uh, Iron. Here we go. And the fragment remains of our memories. And the shadow. For listeners, if you are not subscribed to Patreon and you do not get our Talk Toll With Me episodes, you can go do that and hear the entirety of Negan's email. But I'm quoting from that email. First of all, I think there's a link between Metallica and Jethro Tull. Genetically speaking, Metallica is a thrash metal band, a subgenre emerging from the early 80s, heavily influenced by the new wave of British heavy metal. Mm. A subgenre whose harbinger is Iron Maiden. Mm. Now, Steve Harris, Iron Maiden's main songwriter, has claimed multiple times that his main influence is Ian Anderson and his favorite album is a passion play. So what this means is that I'm wrong. Mm. And correct. I have to go back to the bar I was at last night and correct myself to all the people that I passionately slurred at <laughs> that Metallica had a big influence from Ian Anderson. But that's all right. They I may need to have... go back there to get my hat anyway. 
they may have, but I'm sure they were pretty embittered when the whole Grammy thing happened. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, Nick, anything else regarding Journeyman? That's it for Journeyman. know what we're doing next week is it rover it is rover it is track one off of side b it is rover we're gonna flip the vinyl yep and listen to rover until next week you don't have to commute anywhere you can work from home while giving us a five-star rating and a review we encourage you to work from home when you are writing us reviews. You don't need to come into the office. Take that hard-earned money from your killing career and spend it on us at Patreon. Dot com. Dot com slash talk tall to me. We have some things in the works. I've got some t-shirt designs we're thinking about. What? Kinda doing a vote on. We've had suggestions of doing a Discord-wide tall listening party. We might consider that. Uh, I think we had a couple other ideas that we're tossing around. I don't quite remember what they are. No matter where your journey takes you, Nick and I will always be sleeping at your feet like a faithful dog waiting for you to listen to us. We'll be sleeping in your podcatcher of choice. Like a little puppy pile puppy pile of grown men talking tall to you. (laughs) Woof, woof. (laughs) Until next week, I am Omen Said. I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Moms. And this is Talk Tall to Me. Now departing, now departing London Station or Marleybone. Marleybone Station is next. Please remember that your life is meaningless. Our next station stop will be Boreham Wood. Boreham Wood, probably pronounced differently. And please, uh, please mind the gap between your expectations of your life and the reality. The heating will now turn off due to the fact that we do not recognize your humanity. We will experience a small delay at Abbott's Langley because we forgot to put diesel into the engine. Your children will never know you. Pimlico, Pimlico, Pimlico. We're not stopping there. I just find it fun to say. 
please stand by for Jockey's End, Studhem, Hollywell, Whipsnade, Dagnall, and Little Gadsden. Final station now arriving. Final station, all must depart at Talk Tall to Me, which, as you know, is a proud member of the Feckless Momes audio network. Your divorce will be horrible.